0: another edition of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Barker, and welcome back to the Under Pressure Podcast. We've had a lot of of great feedback so far on the show, having a a few guests the last couple of weeks in Brock McLean, and Brett Burton had very good feedback from those particular shows. So keep watching, keep sharing to your friends and family. It's been a hell of a lot of fun, and we've got another fantastic guest on today's show. Our guest played 209 games uh, for the Cats, Crows and Pies with 199 games of those being uh, for the Mighty Cats, my Mighty Cats. Um, kicked 34 goals in that time as well and uh, won the um, 2001 Best and Fairest out at the Cats as well. Um, he then uh, went over to uh, some coaching. He coached the Adelaide Crows from 2012-2014, to 2014, picking up 39 wins in that time. Brenton Sanderson, welcome to the Under Pressure podcast. Thanks for joining me. Ah, uh, thanks, Jake. Thanks, for, thanks for having me on, mate.
1: Uh, no worries. Great, to, great to have you. Um, first of all, just to just to get things going, what are you what are you doing with yourself these days? Ah, uh, well, to be honest, mate, at the moment I've been doing a bit of homeschool. I've been taking my kids through <laughs> homeschool. I've got um, I've got three beautiful young kids. Uh, two of them in are in, are in school. They're only, they're only young. They're in uh, grade two and prep. And obviously Melbourne's been in lockdown for a long time this year. And I've spent most of my um my off season. <laughs> Uh, doing homeschool, which has been awesome, you know, you know, connecting with the kids and sort of helping them um, get through their tasks each day. Um, my youngest daughter, Olivia, she's in kindergarten still. So um, she's yeah. been still going, you know, one or two days a week. But um, thankfully, all the kids are back now at school. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm moving now uh, or looking for, I guess, a transition. Out of homeschool into the next yeah. sort of stage of my career.
0: <laughs> no, <Nah>, nice. <laughs> it is a bit of a change doing some home homeschooling. I'm a bit of a teacher myself, so having the parents do some of the work is a bit of a change for oh, us been as good well. Fun. It's been good fun, yeah. Yeah, they get a, get a realisation a little bit, but it's nice. It's, it is good to connect as well. So, no, nah, it's good to hear. Great to hear. Um, well, let, let's, start, let's dive straight into it. Um, going back to the start of your career, maybe before you even got drafted, Um, Did you find early on? Did you have any injuries before you even got drafted um, into the AFL?
1: I was pretty fortunate, to be honest. The only thing, I guess, the major things that I happened—I mean, you can call them injuries—but had some nasty concussions, and I know that's a that's a talking point in the AFL at the moment. And thankfully, the AFL across and even across you know other sports across the world, um, there's a lot more research and respect now into head injuries in in you know combative sports and I had a couple of nasty concussions as a, as a junior. And obviously my parents were very cautious about, um, you know, ensuring that I was, you know, um, you know, healthy enough to continue playing. Mm, Yeah. Um, so thankfully though, I mean, apart from a couple of nasty, nasty head knocks, um, I got through my junior career pretty much unscathed, which was good. Yeah, no, that is. Did, did
0: you have any, um, were there any doubts there? Because obviously concussion, I don't know how big concussion was back then. Was it? Was there any doubts in your head going into the AFL that it might, might be a problem?
1: Well, to be honest, there wasn't probably the, um, the research that surrounds the sport now. And everything back then was if you, if you had a concussion and you sort of, you know, you lost consciousness or you had uh, an incident which, um, you know, involved um, a time when you were knocked out was pretty much just a week off and then you'd get back yeah. into playing and I mean yeah. it wasn't the doctor's fault but, I mean they were um obviously they were acting upon um you know industry best practice I guess at the time but um but thankfully like I said now uh, there's so much more research and we see I guess we're following the lead a little bit in in, in America with sports like American football where you know there's been um some really serious um problems oh, yeah. with players over there that have had some nasty concussions, and you know, I think um, I think we're much more aware now of um, the complications that surround uh, anything that's um, that's even remotely dangerous around around concussion. So, yeah, I mean, back back then it was a week off and play, and now, thankfully, yeah, it's 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 much more regulated yeah no definitely it, it certainly has grown
0: over the over the last 20 30 years like it's progressed really well and i think that's that's good for the game i think it's yet it, we're looking after everyone and it's it's what we want to see not guys having constant constant head knocks and you never know what can happen if if they have that one too many so it's it's good that yeah. um it, it, the game's taking it um a lot more seriously these days um no, in the game um moving Moving into your career, did you have any earlier uh, injuries uh, very early on in your career or were
1: you pretty lucky in in those terms as well? No, well, the only thing that, I, I mean, I guess I had, um, I, I played two years for the Adelaide Crows. Um, I only played six games in two years and then I got traded to Collingwood. Yeah, Had one year at Collingwood and I tore, my, I tore my hamstring three times. I had like a recurring hamstring injury. Oh, in the one season? In the one season, yeah, 1994, I tore my hamstring yeah. three times and so I only pl- I only probably played like maybe ten games, eight games, I think, because yeah. I was I was always sort of coming back from these sort of hamstring complaints. And mm. um, at the time, I mean, I was only I think I was only twenty or twenty one, which is young to be doing hamstrings. And um, it wasn't until probably eighteen months later that I realised it wasn't my hamstring that was the problem. It was my it was my back. Um, you know, my back was out of alignment. My back was tight was probably lifting too heavy in the gym and I was doing like, you know, heavy squats, a lot of Olympic lifting,
0: Mm.
1: trying to increase my power as a young kid, you know, trying to make sure that I was um, more powerful and I was just putting too much pressure through my back. And as we know now, and and I've talked about that with the concussions, but as you know, now, uh, um, a physio or an osteo, they would now, um, if you say I've torn my calf or I've torn my hamstring, straight away, they would look at your lower back, you know, they would, they would look at your neck and <laughs> yeah. you know, they, would, they would very rarely treat the side of the injury. They would treat, um, you know, sort of everything else in your body, making sure that you're, you're, you're obviously loose and um, there's nothing that's uh, causing these, you know, related um, injuries that sort of occur in your lower body because, you know, the rest of your body's out of alignment
0: yeah yeah correct I And mean, you know now that these days that they they check literally everything they'll be they'll be on you and and <laughs> watching really carefully
1: what, what you're doing what you what- that was the thing yeah and i went mm. i went to geelong and in 1995 um i had a couple of little hamstring issues again and the sort of physio down there he, he sort of identified that i was really tight through my glutes and yep. i went on this like crazy stretching program did a lot of yoga you know and this was back in the mid-90s, you know, when yoga wasn't even cool yet, you know. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> no one even heard of yoga, but I was doing a lot of stretching and a lot of, um, um, you know, just spending so much time on other parts of my body. And that really helped, you know. And mm-hmm. from 1995 onwards, you know, I don't think I really missed too many games through injury. It was mostly, um, you know, either broken bones or, you know, things like that. It, was, it wasn't really muscle Type injuries until later, until yeah. later in my career when I started to ping a few calves. You know, when you, yeah. you're late twenties, early thirties, that's when the calves <laughs> start to go. Yeah, the old and injuries. You know, that was probably my main my main issue when I was a bit older.
0: Uh, so everyone goes through everyone goes through those ones for sure. Um, going back to um, the early hamstring sort of in the, the soft tissue injuries um, when when you're, when you're rehabbing through those, obviously as a young, as a young player, it can be, it can be difficult to have constant and constant injuries. Did you sort of gravitate
1: towards um, anyone copy someone that had like a good program or. It's a good question. I think most, mostly as a young athletes, you learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, so when a, when a physio or a doctor, sports doctor tells you, you know, you got 21 days to recover from a hamstring injury Um. You probably think, oh yeah, I'll come back in ten days, you know. And you always test it. You're always, yeah, yeah. Um, doing these sneaky little programs, or you're just trying to see where you're at. And obviously, mm. it's like a scab on your skin, you know. When you fall over, and you can physically see that you've um, that you've got a nasty scratch, or you got a nasty, um, you know, wound on your on your on your arm or on your leg, you can actually see it, you can see it healing. Mm. But when it's in your hamstring. Yeah. And it's not visible because you can't see it and you can't see this, you know, the actual healing process. You want to keep testing it. And that was probably the mistake that I made early in my career is that I was, um, I was constantly coming back too early from, or I was sort of pushing myself beyond, um, you know, areas of comfort and I just would keep, just keep re-injuring myself. You know, I was my own worst enemy, like most young players, you know, yeah. For sure. And that's yeah. my advice now. And when when players now get injured, when players um have injury setbacks, the first advice I say to them is you just got to take your medicine. Mm. Um, if a doctor says it's going to be 21 days, well, you know, give it 21 days. You know, don't <laughs> don't try and be a superhero and come back in 15 days or 10 days or whatever. You know, you have to unfortunately, be, and it's such a lonely place, you know, rehab um as you know jake you know when you're, when you're when you're there alone and you're in a little physio room or you're, you're seeing your mates out there training and playing mm. and you're injured it's really frustrating you know and we're all very competitive we all want to be out there feeling great and feeling healthy but the best way to recover from injuries is to listen to the physios and the docs and um and do everything they say to ensure that you come back in that in that time otherwise you're just going to keep getting injured and that's that's the mistake that I made. Is I keep I, I just sort of kept pushing myself and looking for, I guess, little shortcuts and you know potentially thinking that I was going to come back you know sooner than what what was um, required. Yeah, was that on the
0: advice of of yourself? Like obviously you, you were pretty young. You wanted to get through the injury. Like, would the coach then pick you going off your word of that? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm all right to play. Or is it um, yeah. was it a physio back then, or what? what was the Yeah, it's was
1: a the tough. Ultimately, the coach will always refer to the the, um, the sports medicine guys, you know, yeah. and I mean, every player without a doubt will say, I'm ready to go when they're not. And that's just yeah. our competitive nature. That's just our, um, our genetics about wanting to compete, wanting to win and wanting to help the team. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think probably I, I allow myself to um, – to almost fool myself that i was ready to go and probably in my heart i knew that i wasn't hundred percent mm. it's easy now like i'm 47 years old i've got all this experience but at the time when you're 20 21 22 um you probably think you're indestructible and you're you know you can you can get through anything but yeah, yeah. certainly I was i was my own worst enemy at times and i think sometimes players have to just learn the hard way
0: yeah, no, that's, that, that, I mean, that, that's, that's half the battle. And it really is. You do learn, you do learn the hard way unless, yeah. Um, unless you, you really switched on, everyone does learn that same way. Um, take us to your, um, your, your worst injury that you, rec- that you had over your career. What, what would you say was your, probably your pinnacle, like the worst injury you had throughout your AFL career?
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a nasty ankle injury, which was, um, I ripped all the ligaments on the inside of my ankle. Um, and I had, I didn't have great surgery. I had, um, okay. and I won't name who it was, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was a surgery that it just, it, it made my ankle so tight and I understand the surgeons sometimes to prevent like a re-injury, they will, they will sometimes tie you up so tight in these joints that you will never do it again, you know? And, but the oh, unfortunate thing wow. with my ankle is I, mm. it was so tight. I just, I limited all this flexibility in my ankle and that on my, the left side of my body was never the same, and I um, consequently, I, I um, after that ankle injury, I and I should have had surgery. I had a, I should have had another surgery, but I I didn't. Yeah. I just let it heal. I let it heal after that, and um, and then after that, I just had all this trouble with my with my left knee. So I did my medial. Um, I did my PCL. Um, I've got a partial tear to this day. I've got got a partial tear in my ACL.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Which I probably should get fixed, but I've never really <laughs> found the right opportunity to do that. <laughs> yeah. so all I do now, I don't do any twisting and turning. Any, I, don't, I don't play any social sport anymore, except for a, like, I play a bit of tennis, but um, things mm. like golf and running um, are all yeah. fine. If I do straight line, but yeah, I won't play basketball or you know touch rugby or anything like that <laughs> where I'm twisting and turning. Because I just know I'm I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready for my ACL to, to to tear right through. And and you know, like I said, I probably should get the surgery. But there's never a right time to do a nine month you know injury rehab, is there? But um,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm I'm pretty comfortable just doing what I'm doing, doing bike, um, mm. running straight line, um, and all those you know building up muscles around around my knee. But I've just got no stability in my left knee, so. So yeah, um, really nasty, really nasty ankle injury, which then Mm. led to some some sort of average um, injuries in my in my knee as well. So I've got quite a loose left knee. Everything Mm -hmm. else was okay though. A couple of broken (laughs) fingers and the odd concussion here and there, but um, otherwise my body feels pretty good. (laughs) I was going to say
0: those fingers just get taped back up, don't they? You just go strap it back up and get out there. (laughs) That's
1: right. right. Well, I've got a good story. My this finger. this finger here, whatever that is, yeah. my my uh, ring finger. Yeah. Um, I broke that in five places in between in between that knuckle and that knuckle. I had five breaks. And when the x-ray came back, it was, <laughs> it was pretty nasty. And I just yeah. assumed that the doctor would say, you know, that's three to four weeks. Mm. This was the opposite though. And, you know, doctors are typically quite um, conservative. Mm. And the doctor said to me, that's okay. We can splint that. And we'll give you some painkillers before the game. Um, so the next week, I, um, I sort of tape those three fingers together. Yeah. So those three fingers. And then I'll get um, some blockers at the base of these yep. three fingers. Mm. So pretty much I, I played the rest of the season. I don't even know what year it was, but probably half of the season. Um, I couldn't feel those three fingers during the game. So they would they remove those three fingers from... They would just be sort of... They'd be yeah. there. I'd sort of play with those five and these two. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, but after the game, like when the painkillers wore off, oh, they would was, be. my hand was throbbing, you know, and that was, like I said, I reckon that was about 10 games I did that for. Oh. So each each game I put the splints in, that take me up, mm. give me the jabs, couldn't feel anything in the game, play, tackle, punch, whatever. Yeah. But then for 24 hours afterwards, oh man, I was in so much pain. But that oh, was... Yeah. Like I said, it was, it was a doctor that was, um, he was willing to, and maybe it was the coaches saying, you know, we <laughs> we need this guy to play, but I was going to say that's, that's what I was thinking. They need you out there. So you got to get, well, it. maybe, I don't know. It was, I just assumed that they would, they would give me some weeks off, but they just like I said, back up. Yeah. probably my personality anyway, you know, I always wanted to play and I,
0: mm.
1: after 1995 for 10 years, I, I don't think I missed too many games with injury, maybe a handful with calves and a, a couple with these knee injuries and my ankle and stuff but um yeah i was actually pretty lucky after after a slow start to my career i was able to sort of play almost 10 seasons without missing too many games which was great
0: yeah built in yeah it sort of built into it some guys you, you find that yeah like have a really good run and then they sort of taper off um towards the end but yeah you're right you, you sort of just it was a bit of an incline for yourself you just yeah. you, you're able to yeah no, that's it That that's it um so, well, going back to the going back to the hand, how does using the two fingers on the one hand, how does how does that how does that even like work? Like,
1: well, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I um, I was... I've got some photos somewhere of it, but um, you know yeah. what? In the spur of the moment, mm. you just play, and um I probably fumbled a lot, and I probably <laughs> dropped a few marks here and there. But when I, mean, I, I mostly played as a defender, so I don't. I didn't have to take too many marks. It was mostly back then in the nineties. It was just, you know, as a defender, you'll just punch and take a few ground balls, I guess a few handballs here and there. But um, yeah, I look back and um, yeah, I mean, the memories are great. It's nice to talk about, but at the time mm. it was, but even training, you know, it was so much pain training and trying to do weights and doing gym work and stuff when any, anything you got a grip and stuff was always impossible. But so it was always, um,
0: just done for the games it wasn't done for like maybe match practice or anything like that it was just purely game day
1: Uh, i trained i trained in pain and then on game day they would they would give me the yeah okay pain numbing injections yeah
0: yeah wow that's yeah that's
1: that's insane i haven't heard anything like that oh Uh, there's so much worse though like you know what (laughs) what players and i don't know it probably still happens but um yeah obviously players are play to get through a game you know what what they have to endure pain-wise just to overcome, to be able to get the best out of themselves and to, to get out there in the field. I'm sure there's oh, yeah. there's a mini stories, <laughs> some more.
0: Oh yeah, no, definitely, that for sure. Um, going back to the ankle and, and, the, and the knees, and I know it, there's a lot of obviously um, physical um, attributes to, to, getting it, to getting it right again. And, but how did, how did you deal with that on the mental side? and everything that sort of went on with your ankle, but then led to knees. How did you deal with the the mental side of the injury?
1: Um, Yeah, always a challenge. And I think um, it's probably the hardest thing for a, for an athlete is to um, when you really want to compete and you really want to win and you really want to contribute for the team. um, When you're told that you have to sit on the sidelines, it's, it's always a challenge, Mm. Um, but yeah, like I said before, unfortunately, there's no alternative except just to take your medicine. Mm. Um, look for opportunities to help your team in whatever way you can, whether that's doing opposition analysis, or you know, trying to get a role on match day, or you know, support the younger players and look at film with them, or you know, help them prepare for an upcoming opponent. So keeping your mind busy. Um, I think the players that struggle the most are the ones that really withdraw, and the ones that
0: yeah
1: really private um it's like i said before it's i mean rehab's a really lonely place so um 100%. yeah you have to ensure that you're you know finding something that keeps you occupied and you still feel like you're you're um you're offering some um you know benefits to the team oh
0: for sure i'm finding that with myself i'd rather be i'd rather much rather be involved in in the goings-on of what happens i involved in career club so i'd much rather be involved in what's happening um at the career club than just be sitting at home doing um absolutely nothing and and not being yeah, integrated into the into the club and everything like that so yeah i find that's that's how i work and i know i'm sure plenty of guys um feel, feel the same way and obviously it may have helped if I'm, um, did you do those things when you were coming back from injury as well
1: did you sort of find yourself um yeah helping, i think helping I think coaches i learned my lesson I think I probably learned my lesson. I think initially, you know, I talked about in 1994 when I had those hamstring injuries, I probably just sat it out myself. You know, I Mm -hmm. not that I was selfish, but I probably just preferred to, um, spend time on my own without really contributing to the team.
0: Yeah. But
1: as you become more of a senior player and you've got more responsibility, you probably feel the obligation and I really enjoyed it, you know, helping the coaches, helping the players, um, and I think the time goes faster. I think your your time on the sidelines goes a bit faster when you sort of throw yourself into you know the team objectives rather than just worrying about yourself so much. Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: that's it. Yeah. I'm finding that as well. And I know guys are like guys are like that in the in the AFL as well. You see a few guys that are um, who, who get injured. I remember um, Tom Stewart at the end of last year was. Can't remember. What, I can't even remember what he did, um, but he, yeah, he was just involved in the team and and helping out, coaching on game day, and like obviously that's something that helps him um, get through um, an injury. So you can see guys that just want to be helpful, and and some guys may just yeah. may just stay to the side. But hey, everyone's everyone's an individual, so um, we'll leave them to what they <laughs> what they want to do. Right. Um, moving, moving, sort of. To the back end of your career when you may have been having those uh as you described them the the old man carve injuries and whatnot when you're in the rehab group um did you find yourself mentoring any guys or um when that when they got injured or was it more of a as you said you 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 find out for yourself type type
1: thing a little bit of both i probably found um later in my career and it was frustrating because you know you're you really want to contribute to the team and it probably comes less less about yourself and more about team success. And um, I used to set up all these little challenges in the gym and the guys in the rehab group, you know, would always be having these little competitions, whether it's on the bike or whether it's um, you know, doing circuits or whatever. And so I probably found myself looking for ways to compete in mm. the rehab group. And um, there's always a handful of guys doing rehab, so it's always okay, but yeah. The biggest challenge is when you're in there on your own. You know, it's a lonely place. Particularly, you know, it's worse when the team's going really badly because you feel almost guilty that you're injured. But yeah, sometimes players struggle when the team's going well. You know, because they think, oh, it actually don't need me, and almost feel a bit worthless here being injured on the sidelines because the team's flying and I'm, I'm not even on the field. You know, so players sometimes go through different mental challenges, whether it's team success orientated or whether it's individual. You know a little bit of self worth and a little bit of you know confidence around your own your own um, position in the team but yeah it was really frustrating I guess for me at the end of my career i was I was trying to overcome some little calf injuries and yeah never really got on on sort of top of them and um, but yeah it was it was it was bittersweet when your career's over and you finally get a chance to sit back and smell the roses and reflect on your career at um <laughs> I don't know. I probably missed thirty games from injury, and mm. um, which is probably pretty good. But um, there's a lot, a lot of guys that miss a lot more games than that. You know, obviously knee reconstructions and major surgeries and stuff. But yeah, I, I feel quite grateful for the opportunity that I, that I was um, presented. Yeah, no, definitely you can. You can consider. Yeah, that's it. I mean, playing
0: two hundred and ten game, two hundred and ten odd games out of a possible 240, 250, yeah. I think yeah, it's it's. I think you've done done pretty done pretty well as well. So um, um, moving maybe to, to more of the coaching side of of, of an injury and seeing um, injuries, do you ever what was, if you can remember, what when you were coaching the, the crows, what do you remember your best piece of advice that you gave maybe one of the players going through a, a tough injury or or just something maybe something in general. you generally don't have to remember the exact thing you,
1: you may have said? Well, I was always pretty good. I was always, um, oh, I guess, I was always empathetic, I guess, with players that were going through rehab and going through major injuries. Mm. Um, the most traumatic injury that when I was at the Crows was um, Taylor Walker had a really serious ACL injury. You know, he had a really oh, yeah. know, horrific one in 2013. Mm. Um, it was like a car crash. You know, he really, he really, um, the force that went through his knee. And he just, he just shredded his ACL that day, you know. And it was, um, unfortunately, there's nothing you can say or do that's going to make it better for the player. Um, it's quite brutal, though. I mean, AFL's always had this mentality. And a lot of coaches, you hear them say, you know, you know next man up, you know. Um, yeah. Probably more a message for the rest of the team that, you know, we have to move forward. And that's it. Um, but every coach, I, and I, you know, you know, hand on heart, you hate seeing your best players get injured, you know. There's, um, you just know in your gut that that's going to be harder to win, and but you have to sell a team message, you know. You have to sell a, um, I guess a, a narrative. You have to you have to force a narrative that's we're going to be okay, you know. One of our best players is going to, um, you know, miss a season, but we're going to find a way to win without him, you know. And, you know, next man up, you know, next mm. next player. And there's been so many um, great examples through sport, not just AFL, where um, someone's injured and someone gets an opportunity and they never look back, you know. I mean, probably the this generation's greatest example of that would be Tom Brady when he was at the New England Patriots, you know. Um, yeah. Drew, Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback for New England, who no one's probably even heard of on this podcast, <laughs> but he was a good quarterback, you know. And yeah, Tom Brady was the backup. Uh, Drew Bledsoe got injured. Tom Brady came in and replaced him. Um, and that was it. And, yeah, he seven, and he's just going from strength to strength. So um, as I said, I guess sometimes as a coach, you sort of sell a narrative that we're going to be okay. And, you know, next man up and let's go for it. But I think, you know, in your, in your gut, like I said, you know, that um, it's, it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder to win without, without your good players. Um, mm. but yeah. So I can't really recall though, any other, moments where i've given players advice i mean i've always been like i said quite empathetic with injuries and yeah i've always listened to our to our sports doctors and taken their advice i've never tried to overrule a doctor or anything when it comes to you know a player yeah, being available select for um selection concussions as i mentioned before at the top of the podcast you know um anytime a doctor has said to me you know we're not going to play this player for the rest of the game or we're not going to play him next week or whatever you have to respect those decisions you know they're Mm-hmm. there's people better educated on me than than those sort of um injuries and yeah I would never interfere with a with a sports doctor when it comes to those sort of decisions
0: oh for sure I mean they've, they've done the work they've, they've seen it over the their time in in the game or even if they're new they've done the done the research done the work and yeah sometimes you just you you, you trust their decision and and and, mo- and most of the time or 99% of the time it, it is right and yeah. if you take it, it it'll be best for the team and um, as you said, um, reassuring um, the guys. Like you said, like you said just before, reassuring the guys that um, even though even though he's down, we'll be right. Next man up type of um, yeah. mentality, and just um, reassuring everyone that it is going to be it is going to be all right, and we'll uh, we'll move forward. Even though there might be a little <laughs> little thing in, in your mind, you just you, you keep going, and, and you never know it might open up. Uh, like, a, like the quarterback situation there That's with true. Tom Brady might open up some, some, something for someone, um, which, is, which is fantastic. Um, uh, just taking it all, maybe a little bit away from, uh, from injuries as well, do you find yourself watching much, much of the AFL these days?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's my passion. It's something that I've done my whole career. So um, I mm. think, you know, I'm an AFL life member. I'm a Geelong Life member, so I'll be I'll be watching footy to the day I die, you know. And I've got a yeah, I've got a young family now. I've got young kids who all like footy, you know, my son Tom, who's um who's about to turn six, you know, he was obsessed with footy, you know. So Love it. I guess the next the next step for me is um, you know, following his journey and encouraging him along the way. And mm. I mean he loves every sport, but <laughs> <laughs> they do at that age. <laughs> yeah, footy, footy he really loves and he got the opportunity to spend time with Collingwood in the hub last year, you know, with COVID and oh, my family came up to Queensland last year and spent a couple of months in the hub. And so those, those sort of opportunities for the, for the, um, for my, for my kids were invaluable. And I think, you know, he, he's going to be a lifelong footy footy fan and um, yeah. It's, always uh, there. it's going to it's yeah, going be always
0: awesome following, following him. Yeah, no, definitely. No, for sure. Um, I'm sure you'll be sitting there watching plenty of games with yourself over the, over the coming years. Yep. I'm sure, getting drafted in no time. Oh, who knows? What <laughs> or wherever he wants to go. That's 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 the main thing. Um, do you find yourself um, obviously being heavily involved in Collingwood and and the Crows and the Cats? Do you, I know it's a silly question? Do you have a team, or do you sort of just follow those three and just see how they see how they're going? Um, yeah,
1: it's an interesting question. I- like it, it's it's work it's work for me but it's still work that I love you know so yeah
0: um
1: if I'm watching a game and it's Geelong versus Fremantle then I'll I'll find yeah. myself always supporting Geelong and yeah uh, if it's Crows versus Port Adelaide I'll find myself you know hoping that the Crows win and stuff so I've I've definitely got Enough. my alliances yeah. and my allegiances to certain teams and but yeah, I just I just love the game. You know, I love I love all sports, but I love um, I, w- I love watching the evolution of the game. I love watching the best players. I love close games. I love finals. So um, so yeah, I'll, I'm 47 years old now, and I'm I'm sure like I'm in, until I until I'm old and I can't go to the foot anymore, <laughs> you know, you'll probably find me at the MCG most weeks. You know, um, love it, love it, watching someone play, yeah. <laughs> love it very very diplomatic i'm sure they'll all be happy with
0: uh with that yeah. answer very good very good there you, you, you mentioned you watch watch a few
1: few other sports what do you what are, what else are you interested in um you mentioned well, strangely NFL. enough my favorite, my favorite sport is baseball i love i love i love major league baseball and that's um hardly anyone here in australia watches <laughs> much major league baseball but I um, I was lucky enough. My first ever game was the Yankees versus the Red Sox, which is like Carlton oh, Collingwood. That's uh, ideal. I was lucky enough to go to a game um, back in the back in the late nineties, and I was hooked. You know, I just um, mm. and I was at Yankee Stadium, and I've loved the Yankees ever since. And I've um, it was that era when the Yankees, you know, were winning every second year, and <laughs> players like Derek Jeter, you know, he's just, he just oh. came like an idol for me, you know. Mm. Um. And I've but I've been to I've been to seven or eight different ballparks and seen a lot of great games and um, I was lucky enough to have a night out with the LA Dodgers a couple of years ago when I was in San Francisco. Oh like wow! A, well, I saw I saw the Dodgers play the San Francisco Giants, Oof. and then I was lucky enough to get in. Um, uh, oh, I was I was actually there spending some time with the San Francisco Giants, but I mm. that night I was. Um, I was with a mate, we were in a bar and the Dodgers were in the same venue. And I got talking to a few <laughs> of the players and I was talking to um, Clayton Kershaw and all these like great players. It was just quite bizarre. So I've got a soft spot for the Dodgers as well, which- Love it.
0: That's my voice. <laughs>
1: yeah, I love, that's my voice. I love the yeah. NFL. Um, I watch the American footy, you know, as much yeah. as I can. I've got a soft spot for, uh, for Chelsea in the Premier League. I went to a lot of Chelsea games. In the nineties before they were really good, actually. But um yeah, so probably my, my sports would be would be AFL, baseball, NFL, and soccer. That's about all I've got time for. I'm not as big into too. well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into the I haven't got time really for I, I like basketball, but I probably haven't got time to watch as much basketball as people do here. Yeah. Um, and I love I used to play cricket when I was a kid, but love it. Uh, yeah, I just don't get the time and I, I just don't get the time as you know to sit down and watch cricket especially with a young family anymore no that's for sure they want to want to be out there doing it rather than <laughs> sitting oh. and watching a test match or anything like that
0: no for sure you, I was going to ask quickly do you, do you have an NFL team I'm very in, into
1: the NFL myself well my soft spot would be the 49ers only because I nice. when I grew up first watching it that were the days when it was Joe Montana you know oh. Jerry Rice yeah um um there was a defender called Merton Hanks which I used to love number 36 uh, and then <laughs> obviously Steve Young, Steve, <laughs> yeah. Steve Young took over from from Joe Montana and you know it was a golden era for the 49 so <laughs> a soft spot for them but I find myself sort of following players now you know like I yeah the big you know, players bounce around a bit more yeah so mm-hmm. I um I'm into the fantasy sports like everyone you know I've I play Love NFL it. fantasy. I'm in four different leagues, so <laughs> i find myself watching players more than teams now.
0: I know it's a bit like that. I'm the same. I've got <laughs>
1: I've got one as well.
0: <laughs> it's a bit crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. No. I'm a Ram- I'm a Rams man myself. So same div. The Rams so. are good. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're tracking along nicely, albeit. Laugh. Yeah. They're gonna.
1: They're gonna. They got a good team. The Rams. I mean, obviously, they're in a, they're in a great division too. You know, with the Cardinals yeah. and yeah seahawks in the 49ers you know such a competitive division but um that's the luck of the draw i guess over there it's you can have a good team but you can be in a strong conference you know so that's it just the way it works isn't it over there it's a a strange
0: system but you know sometimes it works for the beneficial beneficiary of others off uh, the podcast, all I like to do is do a bit of a, a draft. So um, we pick a topic, which I got in mind, and, and we just go through um, sort of back and forth and have our uh, have our picks and hopefully no one steals each other's picks or anything like that. So I was thinking we do um, VFL, AFL finals can be grand final, any t- doesn't have to be a grand final, can be any type of final um, that you like, that you may have played in, that you may have coached or that you just you love to watch um, um, in, from the past, so um, I'll give you the option. Would you like to? Would you like to go first, or would you like? Yeah, of course. Like... No,
1: I'll go first for sure.
0: <laughs> All right, kick things off for us. What have you got? Are you going to steal one of mine first up?
1: <laughs> well, probably. If you're a Cats man, I mean, the greatest game of footy I've ever seen, I ever saw, and this is not. This is just on TV and replays. Yeah. Is the eighty nine Grand Final. Yep.
0: That's exactly <laughs> that's, where that's,
1: I was going. <laughs> well, that's clearly the best game of footy I've ever I've ever seen. Uh yeah. you know, Ablett nine goals and Hawthorne obviously win the Burton, you know, breaking his ribs and oh. Dipper playing with a punctured lung and all that stuff. You know, that's probably the greatest game of footy I've ever I've, I've ever seen. It would be my favorite final. Yeah. And, so and probably, probably my favorite game of footy there, to ever to ever to ever rewatch.
0: Yeah. No, I say it. I say it to everyone. It's it's clearly the best grand final of all time. Yeah. It's it's not. It won't be beaten any any time soon. Even though, yeah. even though we did lose, it just I don't know why. Yeah. It, just, it is the best no, I agree. game. Yeah, it's Definitely. a strange one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with something more recent. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit biased in in this one. Probably with most of the selections, but ah, doesn't matter. Um, two two thousand seven. Preliminary final, Geelong Collingwood at the MCG in front of ninety-seven odd thousand people. Um, that was it. Was arguably it was probably the best game of the year because <laughs> the yeah. grand final probably wasn't. There. <laughs> probably didn't live up to yeah. the hype. Although the drought was broken, which we we're very all, all very happy about. Um, oh, it was just just an amazing game. Um, it was like it was a five five point game. Um, the, the crowd was absolutely electric. I was. I remember I was like. 2007. I would would have been like 13 or 14. I was in the standing room. There was nowhere to sit, and um, as always, Gaz was on fire. And um, I think I think Stokesy had a really good, really good first first half as well. Kicked a, kicked three goals. I think in that game. Yeah, I remember in
1: that game. for me, it was it was Jimmy Bartell and Joel Corey. They're probably the two standouts for me in that game. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, typically, prelim finals there. Oh, it's a stupid comment, but sometimes prelims <laughs> finals are harder to win than grand finals. I mean, just to get there, you know, to get to the grand final. And yeah. That prelim was epic. I mean, that was and history will show, you know, Collingwood fans would probably say, whoever wins that prelim wins the grand final, you know. I've heard that you so know, much. Yeah. Of, long ago <laughs> got to win the grand final by 117 points, you know, and it was a, you know, it was a dominant display. But um, yeah, that that prelim it was definitely one of the greatest games of all time. It was that was as hard as i've seen two teams crack into each other it was oh yeah it was quite barbaric yeah oh
0: it was yeah it was absolutely crazy it was oh, it was great to be i'm glad i can say that i, I was at that game
1: yeah you, well, i was, yeah, was
0: yeah, going to say you my, would have been coaching
1: my first year yeah first year as an assistant coach so um yeah great great memories for me obviously, oh, yeah. in that in that, th- in that period too
0: that would have been insane being in that box in that last in that last 5
1: minutes so That last been. minute was yeah incredible <laughs> I think it was just stoppage after stoppage and Jimmy Bartel just kept laying on the footy at the bottom of the packs and yeah. ball up after <laughs> ball up, you know. Um,
0: come on, come on, get there. Yeah.
1: And obviously they changed the rules, obviously, after that because, yeah, if you lay on the ball, it was holding the ball, you know, that was the...
0: Imagine that, that rule like. now. Change after that game, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, so that, that'll be that'll be my first one. Um, do you want to go in a snake sort of water or do you want to just go back and forth?
1: I oh, know. So, are we talking about most memorable finals? Yeah, your most memorable finals, whatever you well, like me, to choose from, it's, yeah. it's memorable for for the wrong reasons. But my last game was um, I was I was hoping was, you didn't mention this one. <laughs> yeah, the two thousand five semifinal yeah. against the sponsors at the SCG, and they show it on Fox Footy every second day. Oh, they do don't classic they? quarters. It yep. was um, it was the Nick Davis four goals in the last quarter. Yeah, and that was my last game. So, um um oh. Sydney go on to win the premiership you know we lose and we were a very young team in 2005 mm. um, you know all those kids we mentioned before you know Bartel Corey Ablett um Steve Johnson Paul Chapman they were all you know very young in their development then and potentially i mean maybe we weren't ready but um but yeah from a selfish point of view you know that was that was my final game and we lost and you know it was it was that was it for me but that was a crazy game. I mean, Geelong—it mm. was only the score at three-quarter time was seven goals to four, so Swans only had four goals at three-quarter time. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh. not just the Swans kicked four goals, but one man kicked four goals in the last quarter. Nick Davis. Yeah. Um, and Geelong kicked no goals, you know. And we had we had so many injuries. I think we had seventeen fit players on the on the ground, we were the walking wounded, and we we were limping towards the line. And obviously, Nick Davis. Um, his four goals in the last quarter was a difference, but yeah, very very sad night for me and the club. But um, yeah, a game that I'll I'll never forget.
0: Oh no, no doubt about it. It was. Uh, I remember watching that one. I was at home. I was very very young at that point, and I think there were there were a couple of tears. <laughs> probably my first tears in front the of. There were plenty of tears in
1: the changing afterwards as well. Yeah. Oh,
0: no, I mean Cam Mooney wasn't too shy about it. <laughs> those ones no, early on too. He was
1: fantastic that night. Oh, you know, Cam was yeah. Cam was a forward, obviously, and he, he yeah. finished his career as a really dominant forward. But he played ruck most of that night, you know, yeah. without coming off the ground. And we lost Stephen King in the first quarter or second quarter, and Cam Cam had to play the rest of the game as his sole ruckman, and he was he was really good, you know he he was sensational. And unfortunately, we you know we as I said we we limped to the line, and the Swans led the game for the last eleven seconds, you know, of the game, you know, and that was it.
0: Mm, that's that's the one. We let's not talk about it too
1: much. <laughs> no, no bad memory. No bad memories. We'll, uh, we'll move. We'll move on.
0: Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go really, really recent. Um, oh, a few years ago now, but the the 2018 um, Grand Final. I just thought the ebbs and flows of, of, of that particular game with the Pies and the Eagles, the the back and the fourth, and um, obviously. Collingwood were jumping out to a, a really big lead early and then the Eagles sort of um whittling it whittling it down whittling it down and then um early in the last quarter it, the Pies sort of kick they kick two goals and like when when that happens like the momentum in a grand final is huge and for the Eagles to sort of negate that and 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 stick tough and get the job done and then obviously the iconic moment of of Dom Sheed kicking that um, goal from the pocket when i now i know he wasn't actually meant to be on the field apparently um which is a bit yeah, crazy yeah. um uh, is just um something that will they will live forever probably and um one of the most iconic grand final probably i probably included it because i didn't want to add so many geelong games into the <laughs> into my draft but um it was a great grand final um camp, yeah camp. no, it
1: was And like you said i mean Collingwood, I think. I think it was five goals to zero in the first yeah. quarter, and the Eagles kicked the last two goals in the first quarter, which probably just gave them a little bit of hope. You know, if if the Eagles players had come in at quarter time and it was five goals to zero, they'd probably look at each other and think, "How are we going to score today?" You know, we, what is it? Yeah, in 2018, you know, the, the Collingwood defence was fantastic, um, and like you said, I mean, even even the way that the ball moved from. From Collingwood's forward line to the Eagles' forward line for Sheed to have that shot was just oh, um, yeah, I mean, everything went perfect. Right. It was it was yeah. just a a nice chain, you know. They just went from you know you know mark kick, mark kick, mark kick, and then Sheed <laughs> marks it on the boundary, you know. And um, it was the one that got away for the Pies, but definitely oh yeah, take nothing away from the Eagles, you know. They um they just they just stuck at it, you know. It's it's a game that almost every young kid should watch about um resilience mm-hmm. and the ability to be able to to not you know not talk yourself out of a grand final when you know they were 100 they yeah. were the best team when it really mattered you know and um like i said the one the one that got away for the pies but um they um they certainly deserve what they got the eagles they were, they were uh, super
0: yeah, no, I was, I was. Yeah, it was. It was going to be a good, good year for for either coach. I think it, both coaches were, were so, were so great that game, and it was just unfortunate that one of them had to, to go down. I felt so sorry for Bucks that day. Like he worked so yeah. hard to, to get to that moment, and um, unfortunately, it, it wasn't meant to be for him at the pies yeah, well, anymore. But
1: hopefully, he does get another. It feels I like everything good. went right except when it didn't go right. You know, and that was, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that was right at the end. You know, so that's that's
0: exactly right um all right um over over to you for the the next one
1: well um well probably the the other one that i love the grand final i love um and obviously because i was coaching still at geelong would have been the um the 09 grand final yeah for sure St kilda game you know because St kilda was such a good side that year and you know the 2008 grand final hawthorne obviously upset geelong geelong were dominant that year and hawks were young and um, obviously upset the cats in 08, but um, the 2009 grand final, um, Saint Kilda was such a great side that year. They, they only lost two or three games for the season. I think the only games they lost that year were to Geelong, you know they lost to Geelong <laughs> yeah. um, you know during, during the season once and maybe in the grand final, you know probably the only two games they lost and it was such a tight close grand final and the luck the luck went Geelong's game, uh, the Geelong's way that day. It did, yeah. But like I said, I was lucky enough to be coaching at Geelong then, and after the pain of two thousand and eight, it just felt like nothing was going to beat Geelong in that grand final two
0: thousand
1: nine. Mm. And St Kilda, they were a, they were a fantastic side, and I feel for them a little bit because they they deserved the premiership back in they, that era. You know, that revolt yeah. era. You know, um, they were all a great the people team. in place. Mm. Yeah, they. In two thousand nine, I mean, go back and look at the record books. You know, they they were dominant. They just, but unfortunately, they just couldn't beat Geelong. And probably sticks out for me. You know, that little Manny Scarlett toe poke to Gary Ablett in the middle of the ground, kicks Never the ball to the goal square. Paul Chapman snaps the goal. Yeah, front. You know, like um, heartbreaking for Saints fans, but obviously a, a great memory for Geelong fans.
0: Yeah, bit of lot, of, lot, lot of redemption about about that moment. So. It was unfortunate yeah. for Saints fans, but did make a whole lot of Geelong fans uh, very happy. To after obviously uh, the the O eight um, Granny the year before, and um, I mean, as you said, the resilience of, of, of the Cats that year. I think only three teams have come de- come back from even being down at three quarter time um, yep. in a grand final, and that and that's one of them. And it's it's a it's a crazy stat. Um, you'd yeah. think obviously you'd think someone would come back a whole lot more, but it was yeah, it's. The resilience you have to show in that in that last in the last quarter as well. The the early Tom Hawkins goal in the fourth that was a massive, massive kick to yeah. tie it up early on, and um, it was just back and forth and, and until until that yeah. um chappy goal, really. So, um, crazy, crazy game, yeah. I've have, have watched it a fair few times since, yeah. <laughs> I <have to> say. <laughs> um, uh, the next one I'm gonna go 2016 uh, a prelim final between. Uh, the dogs and the giants. That um, was yes, great. Okay. Up, at, up at spotless, it was. It's kind of like the the new real, like the big rivalry. All the the young, young up and coming players really going at each other, and um, it was just. I was back and forth all night. I mean, obviously the dogs had a great run that year through the finals, but um, the giants were a great team that year, and I, I thought I probably would have won the flag. Um, I think the next week, if they were to 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 make it through, but it was just just the whole game felt like feisty, like they wanted to get into each other, and I think they've they've still got a great rivalry to this to this day, and I think it's because of that particular prelim final, and
1: yeah, um, that was that was a crazy game.
0: Mm, it was a oh, I I actually I have watched that game since, and and to to look back how hard they were going at the footy and. Um, I don't think it was an easy night um, condition-wise at, some, at one point in the night and just the skill level was, was right there that game and just really one that sticks out. as sort of like a, two younger teams going at it rather than maybe um, two experienced and, and veteran teams are going in, in, in a game. So it's, it's really, really one for, as you said before, really one for some of the young guys to watch um, when you get to that moment these are the things you you need to do and you need to watch out for when you when you're going into some big games and prelims as you said um earlier on so that that's one that certainly sticks out for me um no doubt what do you what do you got for me for the oh, it's taking a little bit but what do you got for me for the next one
1: um well probably when i was coaching the crows the the most memorable game for me and once again it's a negative but um It's memorable because my first year at the Crows, we made a prelim. Yeah. Um, uh, Crows, the year previous to 2011, won seven games. We won 17 in my first year. We were lucky enough to get to a prelim. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: And we led a bit like the Collingwood Grand Final in 2018. Oh, Um, yeah. We led the the prelim against Hawthorne with, um, you know, less than two minutes to go. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then Surioli kicked the goal, which put Hawthorne in front, um, which was heartbreaking. You know, we had so much, we had such a great year in 2012, you know, playing in a prelim, such a young squad, um, so much self-belief in the team. And mm. it was just heartbreaking, you know, in my first year as a, you know, as a, as a sort of rookie senior coach to get the opportunity to coach in a, in a prelim final at the MCG against Hawthorne and Alastair Clarkson. Yeah, it's um, a great moment. Like, I mean, they lost the next week, the Hawks, but um, yeah, true, true. In the granny, but um, but yeah, I we just um, I just think I was so proud of the squad that night, the ability to be able to get the best out of each other, and ultimately we weren't good enough. And um, and the following year, you know, the team changed a lot, and we had injuries, and Kurt Tippett went to Sydney Swans, and um, you know, the rest is history. But just on that night, in that moment, we we came so close to making a grand final, and uh, yeah, obviously it didn't work out. But um, all those young kids, you know, like Rory Sloan and Paddy Dangerfield, they all got a taste of yeah the um, the heartache of of missing out on or getting an opportunity to play in a grand final. So um, and you know, um, since then, those boys have I've, I mentioned have have played in grand finals. Unfortunately, they haven't won, but. But yeah, I guess for me, and it's probably a bit selfish, but for me, the the first year as a coach to get the the chance to to go head to head with Alistair Clarkson in a prelim was 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 pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, something something you can sort of hold on to, hang your hat on. And obviously he's one of the one of the greatest yeah. coaches of all time. So certainly something, yeah. even though the result wasn't the way you wanted, it was um, yeah, it's a fantastic game and and one that you could be a part of is is great to look <laughs> back on to. Um, I'm gonna go the year before. Um Prelim final was a uh, Collingwood hawthorne prelim. Um, Hawks, I think the it was um, the last quarter that really set everything alight. Um, the Hawks were like three goals up at three quarter time, and then um, Pye sort of wielded it, winded it back, and um, Buddy Buddy then kicked this absolutely ridiculous goal from the pocket from with his I think it was with his wrong foot, um, like a little dribbler through the through the middle and. Um, you thought after that goal that that they were gonna um, get the chocolates, but I think um, from memory, it was a, like a it was a Luke Ball snap out of a pack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Is that that's the that's the right one? Yeah, it snap out of a pack, maybe with under two minutes, even under a minute to go, and whew, um, they, they managed to hold on. Just um, was it that game that? Cyril at the end got tackled. Um, I was—I can't remember who tackled him though. Oh, I lost it. Yeah, um, I, know, I know the moment. Yeah, I know the moment you're referring to. Yeah, I think—I think it might have been Daisy actually, Um, but well, I'll check later on. I'll probably be wrong, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was that that, one, that moment sealed the game. And then yeah, it was—it was just a big game because that, that was sort of the start of. You sort of thought maybe the Hawks were going to start their their big run. They did later on, but um, and but the Pies were clearly the best the best team that year year as well too. So, um, and they had a unfortunately they didn't get the job done the week after. Thankfully for yeah. for, for, for me, <laughs> it was uh, it was great, and um, um, and yourself too too. I remember I remember seeing the the footage of that um, because you'd race you would have recently just gotten the yeah, I got the Crows job on light. the Monday
1: of yeah. uh, grand, grand Final week. Yeah, so I worked the prelim. I worked that game um, in the prelim, and then um, I got the Crows job on the Monday. And then obviously with the conflict, you know, obviously getting the Crows job, mm. um, it was decided that that I wouldn't, I wouldn't work the Grand Final. So, but um, I was, oh, but I was could... still there, and I went down, yeah. and I got in the rooms, and I was still very much part of it, which was awesome. But yeah, it's one of those. I think they've changed that rule now. I think um I think if there's a side still involved in the finals, they Something won't appoint, interfere with. Yeah, they won't yeah. appoint them until after they that side's out of the grand out of the finals race. Kind of makes so that sense, way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't <laughs> the team, you know, heading towards a um because obviously yeah, through you know, um processes are in place and oh yeah. You know, players are working with coaches and you know the, the system. But yeah that was a, that was an awesome grand final twenty twenty eleven. 2011. Yes, yeah, certainly was. Um, all right. Your last, your last one for me. What have you, what have you got? Probably the the final, the, my, my first ever grand final I saw live in the flesh, um, yep. I'm from Adelaide. So, um, I didn't get a chance to witness a grand final firsthand until I was 19. And I, I was on the crows list and I was, I came across to Melbourne and I got tickets for the, um, for the '93 grand final, which was the Baby Bombers, yeah, yeah, um, I reckon that gave me great inspiration. Only because I was very young in my footy journey, and mm. but I was there at the MCG, and Essendon obviously won that game, which they were they weren't favoured to win. And I'm like almost all the players, probably half of the players on the field were my age. You know, it was the <laughs> yeah. guys like James Third, Mark McCurry, Ricky O'Learenshaw, David Calthorpe, all these all these guys were like 19 or 20 years old and they won a premiership. I remember just sitting there in a crowd and that, you know, they played the song 50 times at the end, you know, (laughs) I remember thinking to myself, you know, I really want to do this. I really want to, and I just started playing AFL. I was on the Crows list. I played a handful of games. Yeah. It was all good fun. But I remember, you know, when you're at the venue and the MCG is an incredible place to watch footy or any sport, but, when you're there and you see a premiership and then you look out there and you see kids, your own age. And I just thought, this is, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to, I want to make sure that I give this everything I've got. So that's probably the the most memorable grand final because it was my first that I've yeah. actually seen in life. And I said before, you know, the 89 grand final is the best game I've ever seen, but i never, I wasn't there, mm. but the 93 grand final, because um, I knew for me, it was it was so close that I could feel it, you know.
0: Oh, for sure, no, no doubt about it. That's. And it always gets talked about that game, that that particular flag as well, because it was was the baby bombers. It was in between a whole bunch of flags between you know, obviously yeah. the eagles and then and the blues. And unfortunately, cats are on the, the underhand of that one. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, it always does get talked about, and 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 certainly was. A very young team and would have given the, the motivation for, for guys like you at yeah. your age that that were around that time so um it certainly was a very motivating and still gets mentioned to this day grand final so it's always a bit of an an iconic an iconic moment which is um which is good to, good to hear now my my last one a bit i'm a bit torn for my for my last one i'm gonna go with a I'm going to go with a negative. Um, it was a it was a qualifying final um, between Geelong and St Kilda. I believe it was 2010, and and the heartbreak of um, the free kick being given given away on the 50 meter arc on the 50 meter arc, and the play kept going. Cats kicked a goal, took the took the lead. Big air quotes there, and and. The crowd was going insane and, and the umpire had paid a free kick against, I think it might have been against Cameron Mooney um, at the time. I'm not completely sure. I think it was, but I remember him saying, you've just lost us the game. I, th- I remember hearing those those words um, in the umpire's mic and it was just, and then obviously the Cats didn't get back to lead. Obviously it was little little time left. Um, but that was a that was that was the time where the Cats, the Pies, and the
1: Saints were really those those top three teams, and they that always was definitely the three teams. Yeah, that that mm. era that was the three teams, and I think that was a prelim, wasn't it? That might have actually been a prelim. Actually,
0: yeah, could have been. Yeah, definitely could have been. Yeah,
1: because um, I remember I couldn't I couldn't watch the grand final the next week, and obviously it was the it was the tied grand final. But oh yeah, yeah, that's it. My wife and I went to um, we actually went to Mount Buller, and we were skiing. I remember. <laughs> The grand final was on and I was on the slopes, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking to not be involved in a grand final, having so much, you know, 07 grand final and a premiership, 08 grand final, lost to Hawthorne, 09 grand final, won against St Kilda. And then 2010 was empty because you just sort of thought we're just always in grand finals, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember I was at Buller skiing the slopes, and I was on the snowboard. And <laughs> but, yeah, every time you went past the tower, you'd hear the radio on and get an update of the score. And obviously, I me mean, watched the last quarter in the um one of the uh, restaurants or bars, or there up on up in Mount Buller, and it was a tie. You know, the drawn the drawn grand final. So they um, came back next week and did it all again.
0: They they did, and unfortunately that bounce didn't go to killed way either. That, the yeah, week before, right. <laughs> an unfortunate couple of bounces in, in those grand finals. Um, yeah. But they'll be back, even though they they've now got the uh, the longest drought now. So it's, uh, obviously the right. D's winning this year, but hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Well, that was uh, that was a very interesting game. Some very interesting games there. Some iconic that's ones. Some,
1: Good to reflect.
0: Yeah, that's it. Some ones we uh, probably won't want to reflect too much on, but um, in a negative way. But always, all, there's always positives out of them. But um, that, that's pretty. That's all we got time for on the Under Pressure podcast. Brendan, thanks so much for for jumping on the podcast. It's Been an absolute pleasure having you on, and I've in, in greatly enjoyed uh, your your insight on on your injuries through playing and coaching, and then um, some of the, your grand uh, your best finals moments. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Under Pressure podcast. No, thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on, mate. All the best with your rehab too, buddy. Oh, thank you very much. Very much appreciate that. <laughs> Only to start, but we'll make it all the way through, hopefully. Um, no, but yeah, remember to uh, like, share and subscribe. All our socials on Facebook at the Under Pressure Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at underpressure1 underscore. And be sure to um, subscribe to the Under Pressure Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, the TuneIn app, uh, Google Podcasts the Apple podcast and the Podbeaner. It all really helps out. Once again, thanks to Brenda for jumping on. It's been the Under Pressure podcast and we'll see you on the next.